Attention Greendale students and welcome to Streets Behind, a podcast about the TV show community. Hosted by two friends who met on campus but couldn't hang out during the pandemic. So we started this podcast to stay connected. And together we come up with so many insights about the show and the characters that we never would have thought of on our own. We know it's not perfect, but if it was, it wouldn't be Greendale. So join us. You're already already accepted. accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Ready? Yep. What's up, everybody? This is Matthew Kroll. And Sandy Keldrone. And we are the hosts of the podcast Streets Behind, our fan pod dedicated to the sitcom community. And today we are talking about season one, episode 11 of Community. The title of that episode is The Politics of Human Sexuality. Um, Sandy, just quick hot take. How'd you feel about the episode? You know, I felt like this was kind of a sleepier episode. Like, um, yeah, we had kind of a lot of stuff revolving around the STD fair. And often there's like a few things going on that create some kind of like chaotic zaniness. But this was more concentrated. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I this this episode reminded me, you know, I well, I, first I should say I thought it was great insofar as well, to be more specific, I thought the joke writing was great. There's a lot of really good jokes and funny lines in this, but like the plot itself was kind of I mean, you know, there wasn't much going on and some of the character development stuff or delving into the characters, I feel like was just a different perspective on themes we've kind of already seen mm-hmm. as we'll get into. Okay. I'm going to interject real quick for the listeners. Um, I've been getting over a cold this week, so I apologize right now. There's going to be some, uh, some throat and sinus garbling and I will try to mute myself as much as possible <laughs> uh, when I feel it coming on. So bear with me. But I think with this episode, it reminded me of an episode that I very much liked from earlier in the season, which is uh, football feminism and you, which sort of just revolved around whether or not the Dean could get Troy into uh, to, be, to be the starting quarterback for the football team. Although mm-hmm. there were some other like plot arcs there, but it reminded me of that episode in so far as like, it wasn't a great episode in like the pantheon of the show, but an episode that just had a lot of jokes and some very, very funny moments. And that's sort of how I saw the politics of human sexuality. Maybe not my favorite episode. Well, certainly not my favorite episode, but I just thought the when I watched it again, I was like, oh, there's some really good, funny stuff going on in here, at least in terms of the joke writing. Although there was also some kind of weird stuff that I want to hear your opinion on. So I think we'll approach it as we always do. We sort of take like three main plot arcs and we'll just sort of talk through them real quick. And then we'll get into like, you know, some of the character stuff and the relationships between the characters and some of the um, funny or like world building stuff that we often get into. So three things that we'll talk about today are three main plot arcs. They are obviously the STD fair and Mm -hmm. Annie's role or responsibility in having to do a live condom demonstration (laughs) on an anatomically correct. I challenge anybody to say that. Give me a break. 
an, an anatomically correct model. Which is apparently like a mannequin? Like what is- Yeah. It's yeah. very weird. It's very weird. <laughs> um, but that brings up uh, some backstory for any sexual experience. Uh-huh. Then the second part of that, which is very intertwined to this, is Pierce's, I guess you could call it competition. Although I don't, it is a competition in Pierce's mind. I want to make clear, I don't like using that term because it's like such a like toxic masculinity type of, (laughs) it's a competition to get the women or whatever, but that's how Pierce sees it. So I think it's a fair way to describe the show. In his mind, Pierce is in a competition with Jeff to take dates to the STD fair. And then- mostly he wants to go with Jeff. Like but, yes. it's kind of a competition, but mostly he, he's aiming for Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, that's a good point. Really, he's asking Jeff out on a double mm-hmm. date, but really he's asking Jeff out on a date and maybe there will be two. They need some ladies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the third plot arc we'll talk about is Troy versus Abed and these athletic feats, which to me leads to some comic gold. Um, <laughs> so the first things first, the show opens up with this STD fair. <laughs> the like slogan for which is catch knowledge it's very good the first thing really that i'll say before i even just give the quick synopsis of this plot arc is it's std fair 09 mm-hmm. and god was that hard to see i mean we've <laughs> talked about this before like how like how this show is from a different right this goes back to yeah, like but they 09. don't usually have the date on we- the television screen no, exactly. We've talked about this and we've talked about, obviously, it's part of the reason we call ourselves Streets Behind because this is like now a 12-year-old show or whatever. <laughs> but we've talked about like the different era when it was like appointment TV, must-see TV, mm-hmm. watching it when it came on Thursday nights. So to see the numbers 09 on that poster, that banner, whatever, like really did a number. I was like, oh man, have I gotten old since this show came on? No, because um, it only feels like it's, oh, it's a few years old, maybe five. I don't know, yeah, but I'm exactly. 40. So now five could mean 15. Exactly. Yeah. So so it's STD Fair 09, catch knowledge. And as Annie's pan- <laughs> passing out these banners, you know, she's telling everybody to catch knowledge. She's standing there with the Dean. Annie's helped organize this STD Fair. And as part of that, they're going to do a live condom demonstration on an anatomically correct nailed it uh (laughs) model and the dean has chosen annie to do this demonstration at which point she has to go to shirley and britta to ask them to help her break into the dean's office so that she can practice because it has come up that though she is not um, that though she has sexual experience, she's not a unicorn, as as Shirley likes to refer to it. Um, Shirley's euphemism for virgin, which sidebar I thought was funny because now we talk about unicorns in like the tech space or like the yeah, entrepreneurial they space. Um, as like in every aspect of pop culture, then as they are now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But so she has to talk to them about helping break into the dean's office, which they do, and they get caught. Um, But it comes to our knowledge that though Annie has sexual experience, it was not of the type that would have given her a great visual intimacy, let's say, (laughs) with with the penis and we're just going to use the, the word the thingamabob as yeah. that she would call it <laughs> or the thingamabob um <laughs> it leads to a great comic scene in the office when there's like a school counselor in there and the and the um security guard but anyways this all the way this gets resolved basically this plot arc is 
Annie refuses to say the word penis when the school counselor says we should all say it to like, you know, to disarm it of its like <laughs> negative power. And she's just like, I'm not going to say it. Why should I have to say it? You know, like I like being a prude or whatever. And I like yeah. being repressed. And maybe if everybody were a little more like me, we wouldn't have to have STD fairs, which I thought was a great line. And then she sort of storms out of the office with another great line of hers when she says, um, she says, uh, you know, I don't see what the big deal is. A giant thumb and a turtleneck. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> or <laughs> something like that. A big thumb and a turtleneck. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, it is giant. I wrote it down. Giant thumb and a turtleneck. Whoop-de-doo. Um, and so that's sort of the, the story arc there. And we'll get in later when we talk about Jeff and Pierce, how that intertwines. Um, but I wanted to ask you questions about how they like the more serious question and then I guess like a softer question. So the softer question first, how did you feel just about like the way this got handled and revealed some things, not only about Annie's character or at least her sexual experience, but also Dean Pelton's because I forgot <laughs> again, like with last week, him watching the YouTube video of the dude dressed yeah. as a Dalmatian. I forgot how many subtle points forward there are this early in the show with the Dean. Like for instance, <laughs> he says to Annie at one point when he tells her, Hey, I need you to do this demonstration. He says something like, Oh, trust me, eyes closed. You wouldn't know the difference between the uh -huh. the model and like a real human. I mean, so there's these lines. So I guess the more like show-based question is, how did you feel about the way this plot arc revealed things about Annie and the Dean? Well, I do always like getting glimpses into the Dean's mind. Um, I, I would say that they keep getting weirder, but you start with the Dalmatian thing. So it's very hard to get weirder than that. So right weird. out of the gate. It's so weird. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I found it really funny that they're talking about this model as if this is a thing in the world that we're all like familiar with and could get at our local sex shop, which like, I don't know, do we have a local sex shop? I'm assuming we don't in the middle of Indiana, but like, it's clearly <laughs> exactly. like for the production of the show, you know, we only see kind of like the back oven. It's clearly a mannequin, but like in yeah. this reality, are there, is somebody mass producing mannequins with realistic genitalia? So that was what is one, going on with this model? No, that was one question I had is like, like, are these things common at sex fairs? And often, or, and also how often at like, you know, sexual health awareness weeks on a college campus, is there a live, a live condom demonstration? I mean, plenty of times, but on bananas. It, right? But is there, okay, oh, that well, I guess that's more what I mean is like, uh, like, yeah, how often do they involve an anatomically correct model or whatever? Like, well, what's I mean, weird is the rest of the body is there with it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, so it was, I was like, are these what like sexual health awareness weeks were like? And I just missed that. Like, I, I was like, I don't Not think that. Not any of the ones that I planned. Because yeah. I was on a committee that planned these things. Were you really? College, yes, at, at NIU. Yeah. Holy crap. Now we have a whole other episode. <laughs> we have a whole other episode to discuss here. 
because you know how sometimes we delve into like what this show reminds us about our college experience. Mm-hmm. There's one for you. I was yeah. just going to say some stupid shit about how like making up games with your guy friends about like, hey, who can throw this thing into the whatever? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I totally related to that part of it. I'm just like, yeah, man, it sucks when like you're, you have a friend who's better than you at everything. Um, I'll tell you what really sucks is when you, I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to go to like deep cut Kroll universe here, deep album cut. When you have a girlfriend who's better than you at every sport, that gets (laughs) very hard. If you were raised in the Midwest and you were meant to believe that sports are God or maybe sports and God are like deeply intertwined. And if you ask yes. for help, you can win the fourth quarter or right. anyone who knows, cares about these things. Yeah, anyone who's from the Midwest <laughs> knows what I'm talking about right here. Yeah. So yeah, when you date someone who is always beating you at things and you're just <laughs> like, I can't possibly be a man in her eyes because I suck at every sport. <laughs> um, that one didn't last. But um, anyway, to bring it back to what we were talking about. So you organized campus sexual health awareness weeks. Welcome not, to the show, Sandy week, Caldrome. Yeah. But um, we did, yes, events. Not um, any that involved, you know, uh, evenings full of alcohol, like uh, at Greendale. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing I wanted <laughs> to talk about with this. Um, okay, so, but in terms of like, you know, with Annie and this getting revealed, I, you know, I was curious just what your perspective was, because I don't know if I would have felt this way 12 years ago, but there were times watching it this time when I just felt like, oh, this is like such a male way to approach it. And these are like very male jokes. Um, Did you feel that way? I mean, it's definitely penis centric, right? Like, yep. um, there's no getting away from that. I mean, I kind of felt like it was a very like TV way to approach it. That wouldn't really happen in real life. That's kind of how it felt to me. Because it's like, these are not things that would normally happen in narrative out loud. Characters like saying things to each other. You know what I mean? Like a lot of this in real life would have been Annie's internal monologue, but we can't hear that. So it had to be performed. And that just kind of wasn't very realistic. Uh, okay no that's insightful I the one thing I have to say is again Allison Brie like such a gamer for these performances when she goes in to see Britta and um, Britta and Shirley and to tell them and she's like exasperated and like beside herself but then she suddenly goes it's a great honor <laughs> and like yeah. pulls it back together and then keeps like kind of going off on her little rant I mean it's just so funny she's so good at changing on a dime sometimes her like mood and her facial expressions I guess my general take on this was and again watching it this time for like whatever the seventh or eighth time I've probably ever seen this episode but you know having not seen it in a while I guess my thought was didn't we kind of already know this about Annie without having to have it become explicit I don't know. I guess I was just like, did did they have to do like this STD <laughs> fair to, and then, you know, like, I just thought, okay, you learned something about Annie, but I don't really feel like it did that much. I mean, in, in one way, it's like, I feel like we kind of already assumed that just by the way she acts. So I guess I just felt like it was sort of a, in some ways it was like a cheap reveal. Like I didn't really feel like this was that great of a revelation about the character. It, 
really just gave them an opportunity to make these penis centric jokes. And so that's why I guess. I <laughs> yeah. Felt, yeah. Yeah. I think that in terms of like character development, this episode's kind of like treading water. Like yes. we're not seeing, mm. you know, new territory. Um, we're seeing kind of more of what we expect, but it's funny. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, but I guess, you know, not to put too fine of a point on it, but like, as a woman, like, I was curious if your perspective was like, oh, these are just cheap male jokes. These are like, this is not how women would approach this conversation. I mean, did you think that like the female characters were presented unfairly at all? It didn't occur to me at the time um, that it was particularly like, you know, heavy with like the male gaze or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also didn't come across as something realistic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's, I mean, I take your point. And that sort of goes to what you were saying earlier about like, it just seemed like a very television way to handle it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it seems like they came up with a premise that they thought was really kind of like rich for, you know, mining comedy, Greendale screwing up an STD fair, which is a good and fun premise. It is. Um, and I think it just gave them an excuse to kind of play in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I guess that's my point is, um, yeah, it just felt like, it opened up the opportunity for jokes, but I thought it did kind of come at the expense of like an odd and unnecessary reveal about Annie's personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, it did feel a little bit like, and this is watching this now, you know, being significantly old, being like Jeff's age, not Annie's age. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and now like when I was Annie's age I felt like an adult but now people her age look like children to me and so I kind of like as an adult just wanted to be like oh this is her private business she shouldn't have to talk about this yeah no but it's funny you say that because also we should say we live in a much different world than you know STD fair 09 either ourselves back then or just like the year 09 or <laughs> the the world the show was sort of being written yeah. about because the flip side of what you're just saying is now like being educators on college campuses, our students will, they'll, I mean, they'll just say this stuff on social media. I mean, like, <laughs> like so the idea of like their private business has a completely different. Oh yeah. Um, that generate the, yes, we have generational differences about the concept of privacy. Yeah, exactly. So I was Big thinking time. about that too, because it's funny. I thought that too. I'm like, Oh, she's so like, I don't need to know this about someone who's like that young. And also mm -hmm. you would assume that the story she talks about, about her like sexual experience probably happened before she was 18. So there was like a weirdness watching it where I'm just mm -hmm. like, I know it's TV and it's kid, but like, this just feels wrong in some way. One of the great jokes that does come out of this, so just shifting gears, one of the great jokes that comes out of this is the woman who's the school counselor her when she says you know i want everyone to say the word penis to like whatever <laughs> remove its negative power yeah and then dean pelton says penis and he's like oh that did and he has like this reaction to it which is another yeah. part of his like sexuality and like revelation but then i love when the counselor is like no i want to come back to the girl who's <laughs> uncomfortable saying the word penis <laughs> and what and you know at one point the uh when, the, when she has everybody say it in unison the security guards like she didn't say it or i know i love that they have the authority figure call annie out for yeah, not yeah. following the rules <laughs> yeah i thought those were great performances and they were funny jokes in the space of like what the context was although again like i didn't care for this storyline necessarily but there there were just some great jokes that came out of it i thought 
there's also just like, I mean, it could have been really kind of like sticky, right? But I think like they felt they found some ways to make it kind of more uniquely kind of Greendale. Like for example, when they're they haven't made it into the dean's office, but Annie and Shirley and Britta are outside the door trying to break in and they run into a snag in their break-in plan because the dean's office doesn't have a functioning doorknob. It's locked with a padlock because the school is so, you know, like falling apart that they can't even have proper doors. So like they can't break in and it also gives them a way to kind of like peer in through the hole in the door to see the, the thumb in a turtleneck. And I just thought that was a very cute, like, Greendale way to take this direction. Great. I'm glad you caught that because I actually didn't notice that it was a padlock. I just noticed that, like, the door wasn't functioning. But also just the point when Annie says, like, I can't go look at the model because it's locked in the dean's office. It's yet another layer to the dean where it's like, why is he? And you're right. In one way, it's maybe just a Greendale thing. He's afraid someone's going to steal it and do something with it. But there's also this, like, the dean has this model locked in his (laughs) office. I mean, it's a little like, what's the dean doing in there? And Um, none of them are surprised about this, right? Like, yeah, like they act as if this is a normal thing. So I would like to think that not that it's a normal thing, but that like these characters already know that he has one of these and they've already gotten over the shock of it. And now it's just normal. Yeah, that and it also it's like just such a Greendale thing because Britta and Shirley's reaction to Annie asking them to help her break in is very they're just like. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay. Like, yeah, I was just like, yeah, well, like, we'll get into some shenanigans. Let's go. <laughs> I also thought there was a great way they framed it or filmed it when they break into the office because Annie's got like black latex gloves on or something. I know. And they like, and she kind of like slinks in and like Shirley and Britta are just like, whatever, kind of like a little cavalier about it. But Annie's they're like, they're giggling. You know, they're having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a caper or whatever. They, yes. The, Annie's in a say, heist movie. <laughs> She's in like a corny like portrayal of a heist movie, you know. But <laughs> Which I, love I would that. watch Allison Brie do that. Oh, like it, like in a comedic heist movie. Yeah, she would be fantastic in that. I will say this: this is one of the things that Community has always done well. It was like last week with the shot from the floor mm. of. Abed leaning down to like look at the rat cage or whatever and like swivel the, the yeah. cage door like they do the they have such a good eye for like old corny television and parodying it mm-hmm. and I thought that was kind of what this was you know like Annie yeah. Perry like like this is a caper I gotta approach it like a caper while Shirley <laughs> and Britta who by the way Shirley's already broken into an office on this campus is just mm-hmm. like yeah whatever I've done this before um <laughs> So uh, do you have any final thoughts on on that arc, as it were? Um, One thing that I noticed watching it this time that I hadn't really realized before is in the opening scene where Annie and the Dean are kind of like outside doing, you know, decorations for the STD fair, somebody in the background walks behind them with two enormous condoms that were made of like poster board and then some kind of like, I don't know, like rubber. And then they put like silicone over it to make them look like packaged condoms <laughs> which like you can like barely see and I just really appreciate their like commitment to the bit that they were like the characters aren't going to interact with these props at all but I really need the props department to make me two enormous condoms for the background they commit to the bit 
Like it's like some of the like posters we've seen in yeah. you know previous episodes or that'll come up in later episodes. Like they commit to the bit when they're like, I need this prop, they get the prop. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. That like big condom in a wrapper, <laughs> like, you know. It's almost like a protest sign on like a, you know. Right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Put a stick on there and protest with that. Yeah. It was amazing. So the intertwined storyline, I mean, they're all intertwined in a way, but the one that's heavily intertwined mm-hmm. with this is the second one we were going to talk about, with which is Pierce engaging Jeff in a competition to see whether or not Jeff can get a date for the STD fair. Pierce already has one. As it turns out, She's an escort, but she's not accompanying Pierce as an escort. It's someone he met in his marketing class who happens to be an escort (laughs) who Pierce asked out on a date who's going to accompany him to the STD fair. So he challenges Jeff to whether or not Jeff can get a date to the fair. And as it turns out, Jeff does. And then, you know, Pierce quickly says, oh, when they introduce each other to each other's dates Pierce quickly says great like so now so like all right we're double dating and <laughs> Jeff's sort of like yeah and then immediately's like wait how did you make that happen or whatever um, <laughs> that was a very good Jeff Pierce moment yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pierce uh, really was the puppet master in this one <laughs> exactly but to your point though with him being the puppet master ultimately the strings he's trying to pull if you will is him getting to spend time with Jeff which is something that oh. has been a theme of the show to this point he cares about that way more than spending time with his date Yes. And it's not just that he wants to spend time with Jeff in a way that he might be able to one up him by having a date when Jeff Mm -hmm. doesn't or having a date that's cooler or better than Jeff's date. But he ultimately seems content with the fact that the dates might not work out, but Uh that will give Pierce and Jeff a moment to like wallow in their misery together. So it's all set up for like, Jeff and Pierce time and particularly for Pierce to give Jeff some of his old man wisdom that he's already mm-hmm. done a couple times to this point of the show but in that way where he's always comparing Jeff to a younger version of himself yes so Pierce the way- wants to hang out because he sees all of these similarities and Jeff can think of nothing more frightening than similarities between him and Pierce Exactly. And so just to finish that sort of narrative arc, Jeff gets a date. She thinks he's a professor. He, you know, tells her he's not. That doesn't work out. Pierce offends his girlfriend or his date for the night. Um, Doreen is her name. She, you know, she's like, whatever, I'm going to go to like grab a drink and sit over there. And if you want the night to continue, it'll cost you. (laughs) Um, I like Doreen. Yeah, Doreen's great. Sharon Lawrence, I believe is her name, but fantastic. She's like a character, you've seen her and stuff. Yeah, one of those character actors whose name I can never remember, yeah. But so Jeff comes back to sit to the STD fair where Pierce is sitting alone because Doreen's left him and they have this sort of talk and, you know, Pierce has a, a line where he says something like, at some point, you know, you get older in life and you stop looking for a place to hang your underwear and you look for a place to hang your hat <laughs> or whatever. It's just sort of like, Jeff, you're a playboy. We all know it, but it's time to grow up and have like a meaningful, whatever, like mm-hmm. serious relationship. Um, but then ironically, he he asked Jeff <laughs> for money to go, you know, find Doreen and the, the you know, I guess their night ends that way. Uh, Doreen and Pierce uh, to the tune of $250, <laughs> which was like, again. And I, what I love about Pierce is that he's not really like, he's fine with this. He's not really upset. He totally like accepts this situation. He even 
says that, you know, he knows that he wasn't treating her right. And then instead of being depressed about it, he just turns around and takes the next best thing, which is paying her for the rest of the evening. And he's fine. Like Pierce, I love how like resilient he is. Like I, I'm struggling to think of the right cliche. Like, does he go with the flow? Like, what is it? I don't know, but there's, I, I love how Pierce rebounds really quickly. You know, it's an interesting, I see what you're saying. And, and I also see how it's difficult to come up with like, the right way to describe it but we've talked about this the pierce character as like the racist sexist bigoted ignorant older white guy but we've also and and what that allows the show to do in response to some of his like Mm -hmm. sexist and racist comments but then we've also talked about how there's this part of pierce where he's just like because of his age he's just like yeah i don't give a shit like I'll yeah. swing and miss, like I'll just go for it. And if there's a redeeming quality to Pierce's character, aside from Chevy Chase's performance, obviously, which is great and often very masterful different times of the show, there's definitely a part of it that I, I do think one of his redeeming qualities, Pierce the character, is that he is just so like, life is what it is like you take chances (laughs) they don't work you swing and you miss you get up you move on but like you don't have to be apologetic and i want to make clear i'm not condoning that he not be apologetic (laughs) for like being racist or sexist um i'm not saying that it's okay that he has those character flaws but what i mean is there's moments in the show that aren't as offensive or don't express as an offensive aspect of his character that there is this redeeming part of him where you're like yeah that i guess that's what we can take that's the positive of pierce you know Mm -hmm. is that he's just sort of like yeah f it man i tried didn't work like i i figured this woman wasn't gonna like the real me i wanted to impress (laughs) you jeff with her and the real me that asked her out. But end of the night, dude, you swung and missed with your girlfriend. But I actually have a second, like a second chance yeah. here. It involves like a <laughs> It's a pay to play, but. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I'm going to need to borrow the money from you. And part of my <laughs> borrowing the money from you, no doubt, will be me telling you the details when I bring you the money oh, or when, when I pay will, you yeah. back. Yeah, which is it's great when he says. If you give me two, he asked for 200 from Jeff. He says, if you give me 220, I can get it. And then Jeff says, I'll give you 250 <laughs> if you don't finish that sentence. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so in a way, though, it's also looping Jeff into like being his friend. Cause you know, um, you know, there's mm-hmm. this assumption in some ways that off camera or not off camera, but you know, like all outside mm-hmm. of the, what we see in the show, Pierce is going to be like, Hey, here's your money. And let me tell you this story or whatever. Yeah. Pierce is sort of owning the fact like, yeah, I knew that wasn't going to happen for me, but here's Mm -hmm. the thing. You had a realization tonight about sort of um, fleeting relationships. Mm -hmm. And I did too, in a way. And it's that I'm at a point in my life where if I want to pay for it and tell all my friends (laughs) that that's what I'm doing, I'll go ahead and do it because I don't give a shit. I'm leaving with this woman and you're leaving alone or whatever. It was, I, I thought it was a rich kind of layered denouement or whatever to this particular Mm -hmm. storyline you know like the ending wrapped up in an interesting way you get some of pierce's wisdom you get the irony of him then being like yeah but let me get the money to go like talk to this escort (laughs) um you get jeff's kind of growing up and realizing that like 
he can identify women by their names and things like that and puts Britta's name in his phone, which, by the way, old school Blackberries and Motorola flip phones all over this episode. I do love seeing old technology. It is very fun. But it was also one, another, like, really kind of a bummer window into Jeff's social life before he met this group. Like, we we saw in his um, discussion with Chang when he was talking about, like, what it's like to be out on the town with Jeff Winger, and it just sounded really kind of empty and sad, and his... Uh, his phone contact list is definitely empty and sad. Yeah, so he's got the nicknames for the different women. Um, one of my favorite was R.E.M. Tube Top because... R.E.M. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Tube Top at R.E.M. concert or something like that. Oh, so that's what I was going to ask. The way he says it, or the way Britta says it, it sounds like Tube Top. Britta's reading through the the his phone at one point when she sees him swing and miss asking out Car Wash Redhead or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But she says tube top REM, but I felt like in the phone they were listed separately. Oh, so I couldn't figure out if it was tube top was one and REM was another or if it was tube top REM. But I think in the phone, don't quote me on this, but I think in the phone they're listed separately, which actually made it funnier to me. That At is, first I yeah. thought it was tube top REM and I thought that's so good. But then when it was two different things, I thought just to give <laughs> someone the name REM. Like, I let me put it this way. For those of us that grew up in the era when REM was at its peak, it definitely put images in my mind of what that, <laughs> I was like, I could see someone that you would name REM. Um, that's probably shallow of me. But yeah, I was like, ah, that's a good one. But anyway, I guess just back to what we were saying. Like, I thought it ended in an interesting way because it went all these different directions. Jeff has like, a mini realization of his chauvinism pierce delivers that message but then does the ultra chauvinistic thing of being like hey give me some cash so i can go pay this woman who by the way is like a professional and consensual i mean i don't think there was anything like untoward yeah with, with doreen's definitely in, in charge yeah yeah <laughs> yes doreen <laughs> is in charge but the other thing that i thought that came out of this was another moment with britta that makes later britta so frustrating for me is britta basically tells Jeff like you know your life is really sad and like these mm -hmm. list of names in your phone is just disgusting and sad and it's so like 20s and you're getting close to 40 mm -hmm. and also like you know it's okay like these women have identities um, and she delivered that line so well Gillian Jacobs as she always does which again I've talked about this a lot in our pod but it just makes me so upset when you get to later episodes and she's just like vapid Britta you know yeah we could do a whole other thing about how after sitcoms have been on for more than a couple seasons how the characters end up kind of taking weird detours where they kind of like like zero in on one aspect of the character and just hit that really really hard yeah 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 no that's a good maybe we should do an episode about that <laughs> anything else you wanted to say about that Jeff Pierce kind of relationship and sort of that next layer and Pierce trying to impress Jeff and become his friend. So I thought one other funny line where we got kind of like a very small piece of Pierce wisdom was when he <laughs> refers to the STD fair as a mixer, which is really exactly what they threw. Like no one was, was being educated, um, but this was a mixer for people to meet dates. And that's such a generational term. Like we're going yes. to the mixer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so speaking of that, the third story arc or narrative arc we'll talk about is Troy versus Abed in these athletic feats. 
Mm-hmm. Starts at the beginning of the show when Annie is handing out flyers and says, catch knowledge. Troy balls it up into a piece of paper, tries to throw it into a ca- trash can <laughs> and misses, at which point Abed just sort of very, very naturally and easily and nonchalantly like throws it right into the trash can. Nothing but net, as it were, though there's no net, but you know, the equivalent of like a mm-hmm. swish. And so that pisses off Troy and he immediately is like, no, wait, stop. Like you are not going to be better than me at this stuff. We're going to go play basketball. I think as he challenges him to play basketball and then you find out that Abed beat him at basketball and it just unfurls this whole series of competitions. Not most of which we don't actually see, but you get the sense they're doing all these things to compete and Troy is constantly losing to Abed and gate and getting more and more frustrated because it kind of affects his identity as the jock and the former star quarterback. And for Abed, it's a very Abed kind of approach to it. He's just like, I don't know. You keep telling me to do this stuff and I just keep winning. He's not like gloating in it. It doesn't really matter to him. It's just, he time just wants with to Troy. spend time with Troy. Exactly. Exactly. It's just time with his buddy and he yeah. happens to be winning all this stuff, but two things where it sort of, I guess little branches that this story takes. Number one, they do a great parody of over the top when they're at the mixer, the, the STD the arm fair, wrestling thing, the arm wrestling thing. So, so they, I feel like I've seen other parodies of this, but not the actual source material. <laughs> Stallone, Sly Stallone and over the top, a truck driver who's, I can't remember if his son is estranged from him, but he's got to like, get his son back and he's a, yeah and he's in these arm wrestling competitions so it's not like one scene like this is a movie about arm wrestling yes oh yes yes Good God. there and i believe there was more than one what? there's there yes no i believe there is a franchise <laughs> of over the top I, i'm i'm gonna sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> google this real quick that is over the top that is uncalled for so 1987 was the film over the top i swear i i thought there was a second one okay i don't see anything about i don't see anything about it maybe there wasn't (laughs) oh look at this soundtrack though winner takes takes it all by sammy hagar we've got kenny loggins with meet me halfway that is a choice 80 soundtrack right there (laughs) um all right, audience, we've lost Matthew. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm coming back. I'm coming back right now. I'm coming back right now. But I, I seriously thought there was a franchise, but I think I'm confusing this with Rocky when like Rocky 48 was when right. um, Rocky's son comes into it. But anyways, so yeah, Over the Top was like a Stallone movie from the late 80s. So that scene, they do a great parody of it. And the other thing that like little branch that comes out of this is Dean Pelton took it upon himself to print the word... <laughs> Greendale with an exclamation point <laughs> on all the condoms at which point they realize this has um, affected the integrity of the condoms and they're leaking right which, which we find out because discuss- yeah. <laughs> yeah, the students fill them with, with beer because this party has so much alcohol <laughs> that they start a water balloon fight except with beer instead of water um, and the condoms all start leaking and I thought it was a nice dig at the dean that um, Senior Chang is the like Greendale kind of like background player 
who immediately realizes is this because he printed on the condoms. So yeah. if Chang knows it was a bad idea, like what does that say about the Dean? And also Chang knows he, he's making comments like, dude, this is not like people are hooking up here. You know, he's like, he's commenting <laughs> like people are drunk and like going home together. The yep. anti-STD fair. <clears throat> what does he say? It's this is the only STD fair in history or something like that where, where you're actually going to spread an STD. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the fact that Chang is the voice of reason. Also, Dean Pelton refers to him somewhat dismissively as or in an irritated fashion as Ben. Is this the first time we've heard his name as Ben? I think it might be the first be. mention of him being Ben Chang, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. If, 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 if the, the first one would have been early days for sure, but we haven't heard that in a while. Um, but so to resolve this realization <laughs> that the condoms they're handing out for free are faulty... He asks Troy to run to the office to make an announcement, but Troy defers to Abed. Abed runs, and at the end of the show, in like an exasperate or like uh, you know, he's like losing his breath, and he just says, you know, attention Greendale students, don't use the condoms. Like if you're going to have, then he says, if you're going to have sex tonight, don't use condoms. So yep. makes the wrong message. What he means to say is don't use the condoms from the health fair or from uh -huh. the STD fair because they're faulty. But <laughs> he says, don't use condoms. But and he the, says it like an obscene caller because he's losing his breath. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. But so with the Troy and Abed part, I mean, it's just, it's great because it's a way for Abed to like hang out with Troy. It, it ex expands and deepens their friendship. It shows you Troy's like true competitiveness or like healthy competitiveness in the sense that not like with Jeff and, and Pierce, but it's the like... I want to be better than you at things competitiveness that many people have in their friendships, or at least I know growing up, like a guy in the Midwest, like you, that's just like, that's a thing. <laughs> You're like, yeah. no, I got to beat this kid from my neighborhood. Who's my best friend at bike riding, climbing trees, basketball, <laughs> wiffle ball. Like I cannot lose. Um, so I thought that was kind of sweet, but also there's some great moments like when they sit down outside and they've just played basketball and he, and he says that Abed's too hard to beat because he makes, <laughs> wait, sorry. I wrote this down. He says, he says, Abed's eyes are too gentle and mysterious. Yeah. And then they kind of <laughs> zoom in on Abed's eyes. And for any, and for anybody who played basketball, it's hilarious for one to like really geek out on growing up in like Indiana and playing basketball my whole life. Like, well, you're very tall. So obviously, yeah. Why yeah. would you ever look at your opponent's eye? The first thing I wanted to say <laughs> was, Troy, you got to be looking at their center of gravity, man. You got to be looking at like their their belt buckle, as it were. Like that, okay. that's, that's how you defend. That's how you stay with them because their head, their arms, their feet, they can fake you out. If you look at their center, you get a better sense of like which direction they're actually going to try to move. So Ooh, first okay. of all, Troy, bad defense. Here. Bad defense. <laughs> you can't be looking at their eyes. But second of all, that is so hilarious to think that if you were in competition with someone, you'd find their eyes. <laughs> you would find their eyes gentle and mysterious and just be like, I can't guard this guy aggressively i'm just gonna let him have his way <laughs> um that was a great line and then another thing they're doing like fair games at the fair and and abed's obviously clearly all, already won like a huge stuffed animal for troy and troy loses and he gets pissed <laughs> and he's walking by a table and just punches <laughs> that was great 
Another that was moment. my favorite part of the whole show. I was try punching that stuffed animal. Just <laughs> knocking it right <laughs> off the table. And again, another moment where you watch the show and you're like, Donald Glover was amazing physically mm-hmm. and with his comedy from the beginning. Be and the this storyline, it, like, it doesn't get a ton of screen time, but Donald Glover's performance is spot on and very memorable. So when he decides to arm wrestle, right after he punches that stuffed animal, he decides to arm wrestle Abed, (laughs) at which point Abed's like, no, this music isn't right. I need like a different soundtrack. So (laughs) then a song comes on and you're like, okay, over the top or whatever. And then Abed puts the hat, the trucker hat on backwards. Mm -hmm. Stallone's character drives trucks in over the top and often, well, not often, that's his thing. He turns the hat on backwards when he's got to like buckle down in his arm wrestling. So he's got the like mesh trucker hat on backwards. But did you notice what the hat said? Did it say STD free? It says STD hyphen fence, F-E-N-S-E. So it says STD fence. I couldn't catch it. <laughs> like it says so STD good. something. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So they're arm wrestling. Troy's winning. And then again, he takes the Stallone move where he like unfurls his fingers and rewraps it. <laughs> oh, sure. man. You please have to watch over the top. <laughs> please ask Matt about it. That like, dude, you got to watch over the top. Um, but so he does the Stallone move where he like rewraps his hand and somehow that gives him all the strength and sure, he beats yeah. him. <laughs> and as he's celebrating, <laughs> Troy is going, oh my God. But in the slow down, he's like yes. leaning on the t- yeah. <laughs> you broke my hand, you bastard. Um, such a small part of this show, but just, I honestly, I'm going to say this, Sandy, I mean this, I think rewatching the show with you, the thing that sticks out to me, it really is how good Donald Glover is. And I feel yeah. like I missed out on that the first time, not because I didn't like Troy or Donald Glover. I just, it was new. Now that I kind of know what's coming, you mm-hmm. can focus on things in a different way. And every time I'm like, God damn it, Donald Glover's such a good physical comedian. The way he, he really punches is. that, that <laughs> animal is just like, is so good. And in, like we said this before, and like in terms of physical comedy, standing out in a TV show for your physical comedy where one of your co-stars is Chevy Chase is no mean feat. No, that's exactly it. I mean, if you are in, if you're in the conversation with Chevy Chase for best physical comedian on the show, like you're, you're, you're doing something right. You know, I mean, that is Chevy Chase is a, I mean, he's like a renowned physical comedian mm-hmm. putting the, putting the football helmet on and rolling down the stairs at SNL fate. Like, I mean, He's one of the great physical comedians. And Donald Glover is right there with him with the stuff he does in this show. So that that was great. But another thing that I really like about this part of the storyline is when Dean Pelton runs out and is like, hey, you guys got to save the day. Troy and Abed have like a real 80s movie, like bro hug, like, hey, yeah. man, we're friends moment. And I forgot like how it was going to get resolved, but I was watching it uh, like watching it for today's discussion and it takes so long right and you're like because the dean why is, in a is hurry. this so long <laughs> and, then, and then the dean's just like just run or whatever and i was like I, I forgot that they like set it up that way for a second i was like 
this is taking so long and why are they milking this scene? So that's another thing I have to give credit yep. to like the story. Like I years later, I completely forgot that that was part of the joke. And my favorite part is when Donald Glover takes like a 10 second pause because uh, uh, um, Troy asks Abed why he let him win this race that they did towards the end when they were running, I don't know, around the block, around campus on their way towards the STD fair. And Abed says, because you're my, you know, you're a friend or whatever. And, and Troy's like, no, Abed, you are. But before yeah. <laughs> he says that, it's like a 10 to 15 second pause. And like I said, watching it, I was like, what? I don't remember this being like filmed so poorly. So they got me. I got to give them credit. Because then when Dean Pelton's like, just go. Uh, at which point when Abed's running away, Troy says something like, hurry, Abed. Be- another great line but he says hurry Abed before people sex one another yeah <laughs> yeah it's great but it's weird you know the show was really ostensibly about the STD fair Annie's role in it Pierce and Jeff um, maybe Dean Pelton's kind of a, but I just thought this Troy and Abed part was was so good and, I, and they ended it there which then kind of segues into the coda Anything else on this on this part of the storyline or this part of the episode anyway that you wanted to address? Yeah, I'm glad that you um, mentioned the like 80s-ness of this friendship moment between Troy and Abed because that kind of struck me about this episode overall that like it had that like John Hughes movie yep. feeling where it's yep. like this important day at a school and everything that happened nice. around it. Nice. Well, because I hadn't thought about that. I definitely was feeling the 80s vibe and kind of John Hughesy, but I hadn't thought about like, this is one day on a campus where an mm-hmm. important thing is going to happen. And because there's some pressure and some hype around this event, mm-hmm. you get all the different subplots and relationship dramas that come out of it or whatever. Right. You get like that kind of drama where, okay, so I used to work in a video store. And it's not like oh, drama man. in that you would put this in the drama section necessarily, yeah. but it's yeah, its yeah. own kind of drama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that, yeah, exactly. That 80s funny film drama or whatever. Yeah. By the way, the the layers of the onion that is Sandy Caldron used to work <laughs> in a video store, used to help organize like sexual health awareness weeks. That's what was, what video store did you work at? I worked for Dollar Video, which was a chain in yes. Northern Illinois. Yeah. But eventually, after I left working there, became like as video stores were starting to die out, they started they branched out into tanning beds. So it was rent a video, get a tan. Yes. Not like in a clever way where you could like rent it and then watch it in the tanning bed. Oh. No, they just were sharing space. You could well, just accomplish both errands at the same time. I mean, hey, we live in a town where that boasts of levy laundry and tan. And let me tell you something. As somebody who lived <laughs> in an apartment complex that had to go do my laundry at because I didn't have washer dryer, then that had to do my laundry at levy laundry and tan. When you're like the dude in there folding your underwear and there's like just like, you know, undergrads walking in and out to tan. <laughs> a weird awkward space to be in there where you're just like oh great a lot of attractive women coming to tan and i'm here washing my fucking clothes so yeah that's a moment so before we do favorite moment there's two things that i have to mention with the dean 
he he's talking to Annie and he mentions that his father referred to the penis as a Jimmy Carter. I love that. Yeah. That's that's saying a lot. Old <laughs> old Jimmy. Um that's and also when he's playing the game Wheel of Remorse right. at the fair <laughs> and he's like he's like uh, don't be gonorrhea, don't be gonorrhea. And then it must land on gonorrhea. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that burns. It burns. Yeah, just like <laughs> the Dean was fantastic in this episode, as he always is. Yeah, I guess that, that was it. Those are just a couple things that I wanted to I wanted to point out before we uh before we move on to favorite things. Unless there's anything you wanna dive into before we wrap up with our favorite things in the coda you know what i want to first see if this is your favorite thing and if not then i'm going to mention it okay so i said my favorite thing was really troy punching that stuffed animal so good that has to be my top no the funny thing is i had i had two and i was torn i think that was the (laughs) moment that i got that no that it was it was one of two things both with troy it was either punching the stuffed animal or when he's trying to make a joke Oh yeah. <laughs> when they're all in the when they're all in the study room or whatever and he's chewing on the fact that Pierce is taking an escort to an mm-hmm. STD fair. And he's like there's got to be a joke in there and he's like uh cuz it's a crab cuz it's like a food but it's also an animal or whatever and he's like going through it and they kind of cut to him a couple times and at the <laughs> end he's like wait, I got it. Don't eat the crab dip. <laughs> and then he goes yay yay and drops <laughs> and drops the notebook and then he does a like lean onto his elbow mm-hmm. and like ho- like rest his head like on the finger like on the temple mm-hmm. but the way he goes wait i got it don't eat the cra- <laughs> don't eat the crab dip yay yay so good i mean i laughed out loud that that was hilarious that was so good yeah and I love that, like, so they give you kind of like Troy's like mutterings of how he's trying to like craft this joke. Yes. But obviously, he's taken like six other steps by the time you get to the dip. Because... Exactly. exactly. And I love not knowing what his mental process was to get in there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. They cut to him a couple times, kind of muttering, and so when he gets there at the end, you're just like... <laughs> and also it's so dumb. It's not a joke. No. <laughs> Don't eat the crab dip. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. So like he's funny. he's told the punchline and not the setup. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You you get only punchline and he tags it with yay yay, and then you're just like, what what was the joke? It's, it's so good. Um, so the one other moment that I was going to mention, unless it was your favorite, was how have we not talked about the security guard saying, "What in the reverse porkies is going on here?" I forgot all about that. Yes. Yeah, and then the and then the dean reprimands everybody with like, you've got us in this reverse porkies. <laughs> what I got the reverse porkies. That guy's hilarious, by the way. The security and he's in future guard, episodes. Yeah, I was gonna say he comes up in future episodes. He's hilarious. Kakowski is his last name. I forget his first name. But yeah, his last name's Kakowski. C-A-C-K-O-W-S-K-I. And myself being of Polish heritage from what used to be the city that boasted of the second highest Polish American <laughs> population in the country and yourself being from that part of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we can both say Kakowski, great last name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my family tree has last names that barely have any vowels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so do you want to take us into the, do you want to take us into the coda? 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't think about it. Um, but the coda kind of brings us back to my initial like take on the show, just as kind of a sleepy episode, not necessarily in a bad way. And that's how we end it with Abed tucking Troy in on the couch in the study room. But he's reading him like a bedtime story that's just a biology textbook. <laughs> and I feel like anyone who's had to cram for a test that they knew that they weren't gonna like retain this knowledge in a meaningful way, understands how impossible it is to stay awake when you're trying to absorb that. It's funny because it obviously plays on like, you know, Troy not being intellectual. And so if you read him a life sciences textbook, mm -hmm. it's just going to put him to sleep. But also going back to like, you know, things we remember from college or whatever, I was, oh, I mean, all my degrees are like in the liberal arts or whatever. Like I'm like firmly in the liberal arts. This is nothing against, um, you know, the sciences or the hard sciences, or as I like to call them the soft arts. <laughs> um, but the, like, I can relate to that. Like, I remember being the a struggle kid. struggle is real. Yeah, Staying like in biology away. class or physics class in high school and just being like, I am going to fall asleep. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I am not, like, I'm not saying this, like, in a condescending way. Like, obviously, science and technology are great and important. But I just mean, I think sometimes we forget. Like, there's there's this way that we portray people that don't understand math and science and that aren't in the sciences or engineering are, like, too dumb to get it. I mean, I think mm. that's sort of like a cultural trope mm -hmm. of, like, oh, you don't get the hard stuff. But I think we sometimes forget that like there are people such as myself that and maybe Troy and maybe you or whoever that are like really just like it doesn't engage our brains like I hear it and I'm like and I don't think it's because I'm not a smart person it's just I'm like that seems so abstract hmm. and like unengaging to me whereas talking for hours about a television show seems really mm -hmm. engaging and like <laughs> this is how I reach insights and knowledge you know I mean there's like a real sort of epistemological like I think truth to this and like how people learn or you know it's just like yeah I never found science that interesting it's amazing to think about like the things that have come out of science and how the world really works but if you sat there to tell me about it I'd just be like whatever, man, you seen like a good movie recently? Like, have you read any good <laughs> books? You know what I mean? Like, tell me, tell me about something you learned from literature. But I feel like there is that cultural trope of like, <laughs> yeah, you think literature is cool. That's because you don't understand how to build things. And it's like, I just think it has more to do with like how your brain naturally like receives input. Like, yeah, I very I remember this one conversation I had in college with um, a couple of my friends. So I, at the time, was an undergrad studying anthropology. And one of my best friends was also in anthropology. And we were hanging out with these two guys. And um, they, one of them was in biology. The other one, what the hell was he even studying? I don't know. But they made some comment about, like, anthropology not being as difficult. It was like, oh, you know, it's, you got an A, but it's not as valuable as my A in biology, because everyone knows that biology is harder. And I'm barely paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is not like subtext. This is what the conversation actually was. And um, my friend's response was like, oh, yeah, so that's interesting. So um, as a biologist, you would be able to explain um, 
when Sandy uh, kills you for, for that comment, you would have been able to explain why you died, um, you know, but as a social scientist, I would be able to explain why she murdered you. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a, I remember being in grad school. I was doing a like MA in philosophy at the time. And we were hanging out with a group of friends, like one of my classmates and one of his roommates was in a science. And, you know, she was like, she would always just rail on a studying philosophy. And at one point literally referred to it as a Mickey Mouse degree, like verbatim. <laughs> and I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Rob was, you know, multiple magnitude orders of magnitude smarter than I was. And I thought, well, I might be a dumbass studying this, but like <laughs> this guy's actually does like really interesting, like social political philosophy. You know, I was like, no, like I think there's some value to it, but I guess all of that's just to say there's the joke in this coda, which is like smart things, put Troy to sleep. Like if you want to put Troy to sleep, don't read him a bedtime story, <laughs> read him a life sciences book. But I also thought, that there was probably from the writers a bit of a like, you know, a little bit of a like, yeah, you know, what's boring is like this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And obviously, like, we don't want it to be like this major chasm between like left brain, right brain. But that coda spoke to me in, in other ways where I thought, no, I actually <laughs> do kind of know what it's like to be in a science class and just tune out. Yeah. And I so I kind of saw this a little bit differently in that so we all had a struggle at some point if we were in college studying something that put us to sleep right like everybody would have had something that it was just impossible to stay awake through and instead of like do it you know like meeting that challenge head on try another just kind of flipped it and we're like you know what we should do use this to help us sleep <laughs> like <laughs> nice they win yeah, yeah. This is the wise response when you discover something that makes you really sleepy. It's not to force yourself to stay awake for it, but to use it to sleep. Oh, I love it. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. They they flipped it towards their advantage. They were like, wait a minute, if it's going to help us yeah. sleep, why not read it before we go to bed? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> all right, Sandy. Well, thanks for always for discussing this. I think that's it for season one, episode 11, The Politics of Human Sexuality, correct? Yeah, and once again, I thought like I wasn't going to have very much to talk about, but we ended up having like a really long, interesting conversation. I mean, maybe we're the only ones that find it interesting, but I'm okay with that. I am too. It's just us. I'm always the same. I came in today being like, oh, there's like a couple funny jokes, like, you know, liked the episode. We'll be done in like 40 minutes and yeah. yet here we are. One thing I wanted to say to anyone who is listening real quick, we thank you for listening with us. Um, we thank you for... Uh, humoring us with our like very organic and armchair approach to these conversations <laughs> but we do Zane and I talk about this a lot off mic we hope that you guys um can at least share in the joy of us coming into these episodes kind of having a general idea of like the three main topics we'll talk about but really having these insights um both about each other as people but also like aspects of the show and the character development and the world building we didn't realize um we we'll hope which is all just to say we're about halfway through season one so we hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are um as you just said sandy and I, i'll just echo that like yet again i learned things about this episode or the characters or ways to interpret this show that i never figured i would when we logged on to do this call um yeah, I really feel like we are like we're getting out of this kind of like what the characters get out of the study group that we come in with a purpose that's kind of academic and then you know it we leave with a deeper friendship than we came in with yeah exactly i mean i learned two things about you today that yeah. i never knew um uh i just want to say thanks everybody for listening thanks sandy again for a great talk yeah we'll see you
soon with season one, episode 12 of Community. Yay, yay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Our theme music is Happy Dance by Cedric Galke. Please subscribe to Streets Behind wherever you get your podcasts.